ومن سيئة أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يذلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله Verily the praise belongs to Allah We praise him, seek his assistance and forgiveness And we seek refuge in Allah From the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone And that he has no partners or associates And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. This evening, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala, we would like to complete, or rather we would like to continue uh, the questions that are remaining concerning the pillar of iman related to al-kutub the divine scriptures or revelations and previously the author Al-Allama Hafiz Al-Hakami Rahimahullah has mentioned a number of questions related to the evidences for the obligation of believing in divine revelations and whether or not all of the divine revelations have been mentioned in the Quran and what actually is the meaning of believing in the Kutub or the divine revelations. Uh, he also talked about the status of the Quran in relation to the earlier revelations and what is the obligation upon the members of the Ummah of Muhammad ﷺ in terms of adhering to or sticking to the Quran and observing the rights of the Qur'an. Then he explained what is the meaning of this adhering to the Qur'an or clinging to the Qur'an or adhering by the Qur'an and fulfilling its rights. And the last question that we discussed was related to the ruling of the one who holds the opinion or who believes that the Qur'an is created. This topic that we have been discussing it is, as we mentioned on a number of earlier occasions, it is the aqidah of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, or as the author has named it, Alam al Sunnah al Mansura, the Atiqad al Taifa al Najiyah al Mansura. And what he means by this are what are the uh, signs or the landmarks along the road that point to and identify the way that one should travel in relation to the Aqidah of the victorious saved sect. And uh, he has discussed previously in the course of this topic, he has discussed the pillars of Islam and he has, and here we have begun to discuss the pillars of Iman and we have reached after talking about the Iman Billahi and believing in the Malaika, the angels uh, he has entered the topic of the divine revelations, dealing with it, uh, basically, what are the proofs for the obligation of believing in divine revelations, and then he began to talk about 
the Qur'an itself and the rights of the Qur'an and the deviations of some of the people concerning this Qur'an. So the last question that we talked about, it is in reference to a very serious deviation. Uh, people who have strayed far away from the correct aqidah of the Ahl sunnah wal Jama'ah concerning the Qur'an. And that is in reference to the issue of those who claim that the Qur'an is created. And we already discussed this question, what is the ruling concerning the one who says that the Qur'an is created? Uh, however, because of the importance of it, I want to just review it quickly before going on to the remaining questions dealing with this topic. And the author has said in reference to this question, what is the ruling concerning the one who holds the belief or has the aqidah that the Qur'an is created? He says that first, before giving the ruling, he explains what is the correct aqidah and the proofs of that. Uh, and then he mentions that the ruling of it is that that person goes out of Islam. It is major kufr, which takes a per person totally out of Islam. The reason for this, he said, is because the Qur'an is the speech of Allah. In reality, it is the real speech of Allah. Its letters, the huruf, that make up words, as well as its meanings, the meanings that they convey. All of this, what is contained in the Qur'an, it is the speech of Allah. And then he went on to say that this kalam, the speech of Allah, it is not just the letters that make up the words without meaning, nor is it just the meaning without letters, but it is all of it combined together. Allah has spoken with it, actually with real speech. He has revealed it to his Prophet ﷺ and the true believers believe in it. And then he mentioned a point that perhaps some people have misunderstood and it has been a reason for people to go astray. And that is, some people imagined that since the Qur'an is written down, and since it is recited, and it is heard, and it is memorized in the hearts of human beings, then it must be created. And he has refuted this idea by clearly explaining that even though it is written down by the fingers, and even though it is recited by the tongue and memorized in the hearts of the believers, and it is heard by the ears, and it is seen by the eyes, that this does not take it outside of being the speech of Allah. And he said that those things that the fingertips or the ink or the paper or the pens that it is written with, those things are created. However, that which is written, it is not created. That which is written is the Qur'an, the speech of Allah. And likewise, he said that the tongues and the voices that are heard, that is created. However, the matlubihi, that which is being recited, that is not created. And the hearts that preserve the Qur'an by memory, they are, the hearts are created. However, that which is preserved in the heart, the Qur'an itself, it is not created. And he went on to give evidences from Qur'an showing that the Qur'an is written, that it is a book which is written, and that it is memorized in the hearts of the people of knowledge, and that it is recited, and that it is heard. All of this he has mentioned, proofs of it from the Qur'an. And then after these proofs and this explanation, he said, that whoever says that the Qur'an or any part of the Qur'an is created, then that person, he said, فَهُوَ كَافِرْ كُفْرًا أَكْبَرْ يُخْرِجُهُ مِنَ الْإِسْلَامِ بِالْكُلِّيَةِ This is a very strong statement. And this was the last question that we dealt with in the previous lecture. For that reason, I wanted to go back to it because we want to reflect on this for a moment uh, because of the seriousness of it. The author, Hafiz al-Hakami, he has said something 
which he is not the first to have said it. But the earlier scholars, the well-known scholars of the Muslim Ummah, they have said what he has said here. That whoever believes that the Qur'an or any part of the Qur'an is created, then that person is a kafir, and that kufr is not minor kufr. It is major kufr, kufr akbar, that takes a person out of Islam bilkulliyah, totally. Uh, and then he says the reason for this is because the Qur'an is the speech of Allah. It began from Allah and it will return to Him. And His speech is His sifa. It is one of His characteristics. So whoever says that any of the characteristics of Allah are created, any of the qualities of Allah are created, then that person is a kafir who has apostated. And that person should be offered or encouraged to repent, to turn back to Islam. And if they turn back, then this is what we hope. And if not, they should be killed because of their kufr. And that none of the ahkam, the rulings or the laws that are applicable to the Muslims are applicable to such a person. It has been mentioned in a number of books of the earlier scholars, those who have uh, stated this ruling concerning those who believe that the Qur'an is created. And from amongst those who have been mentioned are the imams, Malik and Ash-Shafi and Ahmed, rahimahumullah, and also other scholars of their time and those before them, like Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak, Sufyan al-Thawri, Sufyan ibn Ayyina, Abdurrahman ibn Mahdi, and many of the well-known scholars of Islam, and especially the scholars of Hadith, they have stated the same ruling. And this is the truth of the matter, that a person who goes to claim that the characteristics of Allah are created, then that person has gone outside of the bounds of Islam. Uh, some discussion of this has been mentioned in another source that I just want to look at briefly and that is the explanation or the summary of the famous book of Shaykh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah al-Hamawiyyah and one of the contemporary scholars Shaykh Muhammad Ibn Salih Uthaymeen in his explanation of this book and summary of it he has said concerning this topic and he is uh, taking this uh, this point it is from the book of <coughs> Shaykh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah and Shaykh Muhammad Ibn Salih Uthaymeen what he has done is summarize the book and, try, and attempted to simplify it so that the people of today who are not on the level of the Muslims of the earlier times that they can understand it and he says here that this topic is related to the al-lav wal-malfuz al-lav it means the expression an expression and al-malfuz is that which is expressed, that which is recited. He said that the speech or the discussion in this topic, it is related to the Qur'an, the love of the Qur'an and the malfud, that is the Qur'an which is recited. And he said it has already been mentioned that the Qur'an is the speech of Allah and that it is not created. And these two points should be coupled together and not separated. The Qur'an is the speech of Allah and it is not created. Because whoever differs with any one of those points, then they have gone astray. However, the Shaykh says, Allah bil Qur'an, yani expressing or the expression of the Qur'an, is it correct to say that it is created or that it is not created or must we remain silent about it and not discuss it at all? Some of the people deviated and said that it is created and some said it is not created uh, without and he correctly explaining what they mean, and some said that we shouldn't discuss it at all. So the Sheikh says the answer to this question is that we cannot say, we cannot negate this matter, nor can we affirm it in the absolute sense without 
some explanation. Uh, as far as that explanation, he said, if a person means by a love, the expression, if they mean by this, a talafuz, meaning the person expressing it, the action of the person expressing the Qur'an as he recites it, if they mean by this, a talafuz, that is the action of the human being, uh, then indeed this is created. The action of the human being is created because the human being and his actions and his qualities and his characteristics are all created by Allah. Whereas Allah is not created and his characteristics and his actions are not created. He said if they mean by this love, if they mean التلفظ, the action of expression by the human being, then this is created. And this is because the human being, the servant, as well as his action, both of them are created. However, if he means Beloved, if he means by the word love, if he means al-malfuz bihi, yani that which is expressed, then this al-malfuz bihi, this is the speech of Allah and it is not created. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because speech, the speech of Allah is from his characteristics and his characteristics are not created. And this is what is hinted at or pointed to in the explanation the clarifying explanation of Imam Ahmed rahimahullah when he said من قال لفظي بالقرآن مخلوق يريد به القرآن فهو جهميني and whoever says that لفظي بالقرآن my expressing expression of the Quran that it is created and he means by it clarifying what do you mean do you mean your action of speaking or reciting or do you mean that which is recited but he clarifies that he means by it the Quran then he means to say that the Qur'an is created, he said this person is a Jahmi. The Jahmi, they were a group of people who had a number of deviations and some amongst them claimed that the Qur'an is created. He said, this statement of Imam Ahmed, that whoever says my expression of the Qur'an is created, and he means by the Qur'an then he is a Jahmi, he said this statement of Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, indicates or points to the fact that if the person says this, meaning any other than the Qur'an. He doesn't mean that lovely bil Qur'an, he doesn't mean the Qur'an, but he means that his talafuz bil Qur'an, he means that, then that is from the action of the human being, then such a person is not a jahmi. Okay, this may be, if anyone is hearing it for the first time, it might be a little difficult to follow. However, the point is that what he wants to explain here is that there are two possible meanings of this expression and the Shaykh in the coming questions he also talks about it however I just wanted to mention this statement before we go on so that I don't forget to mention it and what the, the main thing that Shaykh Al-Ufaymin is intending here is to, is to show that this expression it has more than one possible meaning and it should be clarified what the person means by it if they mean by it that their expression of the Qur'an, if they mean by that the Qur'an itself, then this is wrong to say it is created. However, if he means his action of reciting, then his action is created. And he said in that case he is not a jahmi. However, as Shaykh al-Hakami, rahimahullah, explains in the questions that are coming, you will see that there are also two deviations in reference to this matter. There are those who claim that the Qur'an or the recitation or the loves of the Qur'an is created and those who claim that it is not created. And those who say that it is created have to clarify what they mean by that. 
and make it clear that they don't mean the Qur'an itself, but they mean the action. And those who say that it is not created also have to clarify what do they mean by it's not created. And they have to say that they mean it is not created, they mean the Qur'an. Otherwise, it is possible that they may be referring to their own action of expressing or reciting the Qur'an, and if they are saying that is not created, this is also a deviation and an innovation that the Shaykh will mention in the coming questions. Okay, as far as the first question that we want to discuss this evening, it is question number 84, and it is question that is related to something that we have talked about previously, and that is the speech of Allah being a characteristic or a sifa of Allah, and we talked about earlier on that the sifat of Allah may be divided into various categories. Some of the scholars divided into as sifat as thatiyah, those which are related to Allah's divine being, his that, and those which are as sifat al fi'liyah, those which are related to his actions that he does whenever he wills and however he wills. So here the Shaykh he said, is the characteristic of kalam speech? Is it from the characteristics of Allah's that or his fi'l? Yani is it a characteristic of Allah's divine being? Or is it a characteristic of his actions? He says, in consideration, if we look at uh, the consideration of this characteristic or this sifa of speech, of kalam, as it is connected to or related to the divine being of Allah, the characteristic of kalam as it is related to his that, and the fact that he is described with it, that he is described with this characteristic from that perspective, that it is something that is that Allah's divine being is described with, then he said, from that perspective, we will say that it is from the sifat of his that. It is a sifa thatiyah. Because it is something that his divine being is described with, and he is never separated from it. He is always described with it. Okay, so the difference between a sifat of thatiyah and a sifat of fi'liyah is that the sifat of that tiyah are those characteristics or qualities of Allah that is that is, is always described with and are never separated from him. Whereas that which is described as a sifat al-fi'liyah, it means those things which Allah is described with sometimes, that he does whenever he wills and however he wills, but he is not always described with it. However, in reference to al-kalam or speech, there are two aspects of this kalam. From one side, Allah is always described with it because He was never without this characteristic of speaking. Allah was always described with this characteristic. And He could never be separated from it because not being able to speak or not speaking is a defect. And we cannot ascribe to Allah any type of defect. Even in the human beings, the one who is not able to speak or who doesn't speak, we say something is wrong with them. So we cannot describe Allah with that which is a defect in the human being, describing any shortcoming or defect to Allah. However, from the other perspective, that it is something that Allah does whenever He wills, and however He wills, that means it is related to His will. From that perspective, it is also considered as from amongst the characteristics of His actions, as sifat al-fi'liyah. So the Shaykh, he says here, that from the perspective of it being connected to Allah's divine being, then it is from the sifat al like his knowledge, 
Yani Allah is described with knowledge. He always was described with it. And always will be described with it. It is something that His divine being is described with as a characteristic of perfection that Allah has knowledge. He said, in fact, the characteristic of speaking, it is from His knowledge. It is from the knowledge of Allah. Allah has revealed it. And He has revealed the Qur'an by His knowledge. And Allah is the best knower of what He has revealed. From the other side, he said, from the perspective of speaking, بِمَشِيَتِهِ وَإِرَادَتِهِ يعني That Allah speaks will. And that Allah speaks whenever He ten- intends to. He said, from this perspective, when the speech is done from time to time, according to Allah's will, then in that case, we say, from that perspective, it is from the sifat al-fi'liyah, yani the characteristics of His actions. So in this way, we can say, that this particular characteristic of Allah, uh, it may be described uh, from both perspectives as a characteristic of Allah's divine being that He is always described with and never without that description. And it is also a characteristic of His actions that He does whenever He wills. He said this is uh, like the statement of the Prophet that whenever Allah wills, to reveal a matter, then he speaks with that revelation. And he speaks and reveals whatever he intends or whatever he desires to reveal. This particular hadith has been mentioned earlier and the scholars of hadith have declared that hadith to be defective, that it is daif. It is not an authentic hadith, even though the meaning of it is true. However, from the perspective of the chain of narrators, it is not uh, sahih, and for that reason, uh, it is better that we look for other proofs for this particular point, and from amongst the proofs that some of the scholars have mentioned is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-A'raf, chapter 7, verse 143, وَلَمَّا جَاءَ مُوسَى لِمِيقَاتِنَا وَكَلَّمَهُ رَبُّهُ قَالَ رَبِّي أَرِنِي أَنظُرْ إِلَيْهِ In this ayat, it is mentioned that when Musa السلام, the Prophet of Allah, came لِمِقَاتِنَا to the appointed time that Allah has appointed for him to give revelation to him. At that time that Allah has appointed, when he came, وَكَلَّمَهُ رَبُّهُ and his Lord spoke to him. He, Musa السلام, after hearing the speech of Allah, because of his love of Allah, he went in to see Allah. He has heard his voice. Allah has spoken to him directly. So he wanted to see Allah. So when Musa came to that appointed place and time and Allah spoke to him, he said to Allah, he said, Rabbi arini anzur ilayk. Oh Allah, allow me to see you, to look at you. And Allah said that, yani Allah did not decree that the human beings in their present form, the way he has created the human being in this world, that they are capable of bearing the seeing of Allah in this world. However, he said, uh, look at the mountain. And if the mountain remains, after Allah appears before it, then we will see. And as it is, Musa saw that the mountain crumbled. A mountain crumbled before the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he understood that he could not see Allah in this world. And this is not a proof that Allah cannot be seen, but it is a proof that Allah has not willed that the human being is capable of seeing him in this world. And Allah has willed and decreed that of the greatest of the rewards that the human being, the believers, would experience in the next life, it is to see Allah. So this is something 
as Allah has saved for the human being in the next life, that the believers would see Allah and that would be the greatest joy that they would experience in the next life. Uh, after this, the Shaykh, rahimahullah, he says, for this reason, yani, for this reason, meaning what he has mentioned earlier, that the characteristic of speech, it is from, the, from both perspectives, it is considered as the characteristic of the divine being of Allah and a characteristic of his actions, which he does whenever he wills. He said, for this reason, the Salaf al-Sali, the righteous predecessors, the early generations of the Muslims, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, and those who followed their way, he said, for this reason, they said, concerning the characteristic of speech, they said it is a characteristic of his divine being and a characteristic of his action, both at the same time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, therefore, we say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always was and still is and always will be described with kalam, with the characteristic of speech, and in the past, eternally, and in the future, forever, Allah will be described with such. Therefore, Allah is speaking, uh, it is that which takes place by His will, and, by, and when He intends to do so, uh, Allah speaks, إِذَا شَاءَ, if He wills, وَمَتَى شَاءَ, whenever He wills, وَكَيْفَ شَاءَ, however He wills, with speech that is heard by whomever he will. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his speech is connected to his will. He speaks uh, if he wills and whenever he wills, however he wills, and it is heard by whomever he wills. So the speech of Allah is from his characteristics. It has no limit and it has no end. And in the speech of Allah, it has no limit and it has no end. And then he mentioned number of proofs from the Qur'an concerning the speech of Allah as a characteristic and that it is limitless and end- endless. He mentioned first from the Surah Al-Kahf, chapter 18, verse 109. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, say that if the sea, the Bahr, if it was to be used for ink, for the writing of the words of my Lord, then the sea, it would be exhausted, it would be used up before the words of Allah, of my Lord, would be exhausted, even if we had brought to add to it as an equal, as a supply of ink, that which is like it. And even if we have added to it that which is like it, then the sea, if it was used for ink, or the seas, all of them, or whatever may be added to it, even if it was multiplied over and over and over again, as long as it is something created, it would be exhausted before the words of Allah which are not created. Then he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is in a similar meaning from Surah Al-Luqman, chapter 31, verse 27. <coughs> And if whatever is in the earth, all of the trees that are in the earth, if they were pens, and pens to be used for writing, and if the sea was used for ink, and we added to it as more ink, seven more seas, or multiply it as many times as you like. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using this as an example to see how great is the words of Allah 
and that they would never be exhausted. However, even if it was multiplied by more than seven times, indeed the ink of the seas, however were their number, however many were their number, it would be exhausted. He said, that if you have used all of the trees in the earth and the seas for ink to write the words of Allah, the words of Allah would never be exhausted. And finally he mentioned the saying of Allah from Surah Al-An'am, chapter 6, verse 115, وَتَمَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ صِدْقًا وَعَدْلًا لَا مُبَدِّلًا لِكَلِمَاتِهِ وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْعَلِيمُ that kalima to rabbika, the word of your Lord, has been perfected, completed, and perfected. Sidqan and adalan, in truth and in justice. Meaning that the word of Allah, the Quran, has been revealed in a perfect form. And what it informs us of, it is the most, most, most truthful of what we can be informed about. And it is the most just in terms of its laws and rulings and ahkam. It is the most just of whatever could be legislated or made as rules in terms of commandments and prohibitions and otherwise. Yani that the word of your Lord, that is the Qur'an, it has been perfected and completed in terms of the truthfulness, the information that it contains, and its justness in terms of the laws and rules that, it, that is legislated within it. And there is no one that can exchange or change uh, his words, the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, he is a samir alim, the hearing, the all-hearing and all-knowing. No one can change the words of Allah, as some of the scholars said, because Allah has protected it. Therefore, nobody can, no one can change it. And because it is perfect, therefore, nobody can bring anything better than it that can be put in its place. For this reason, uh, we know then that the words of Allah, it is the most perfect and there is nothing equal to it, not in truthfulness nor in the justice that it contains for the guiding of the lives of the human beings in this world. Okay, after this, the Shaykh talks about one of the deviant groups who deviated concerning this matter of the Qur'an, whether or not it is created. Some of the, them deviated, the Jahmi. They claimed that the Qur'an, it is created. And another group here, he says, who are the Waqifa and what is the ruling concerning them? The Waqifa is another group who deviated and who refused to take a stand. They didn't say that it is created or not created. The Shaykh says that Al-Waqifa, they are those who say concerning the Qur'an لَا نَقُولُ هُوَ كَلَامُ اللَّهِ وَلَا نَقُولُ مَخْلُوقِ We don't say it is the speech of Allah, nor do we say that it is created. They don't take any position. Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, said concerning this matter that whoever from amongst them مَنْ كَانَ مِنْهُمْ يُحْسِنْ الْكَلَامِ فَهُوَ جَهْمِي that whoever from amongst them, yuhsin al-kalam. And this expression, it has two possible meanings. Uh, one of the meanings, one of the possible meanings, man yuhsin al-kalam, yani the one who understands, the one from amongst them who understands what he is saying when he says this matter, that we don't say the Qur'an is the speech of Allah, nor do we say that it is created, yani without taking a stand. He said the one who does that, 
who understands what he is saying, then he is a Jahmi. Because this is the opinion of the Jahmiya. In reality, when they don't take any stand, it means that they are actually with those people. They are with those people. It is just yani, a way of trying to escape from taking a position. The other possible meaning of it, which might be closer to being correct, is that men can minhum yuhsin al-kalam fahuwa jahmi. It means the kalam here, it means the philosophical rhetoric of the Ahl Kalam, the people who used to try to rationalize and philosophize concerning the Aqeedah of Islam, going outside of what is established in the Quran and Sunnah and using their own minds to decide what we should believe and how we should believe it. And perhaps this is what the Shaykh means, Wallahu Alam, that whoever was from amongst them, who was from the Ahl Kalam, Yuhsin Al Kalam, yani, who is from those people of rhetoric who try to rationalize and intellectualize and explain the deen of Allah by their mind, then this person is indeed a Jahmi, because that's what they were doing. وَمَنْ كَانَ لَا يَحْسِنُهُ بَلْ كَانَ جَاهِلًا جَهْلًا بَصِيطًا فَهُوَ تُقَامَ عَلَيْهِ الْحُجَّةِ بِالْبَيَانِ وَالْبُرْحَانِ However, those from amongst them who didn't, who wasn't from the Ahl Kalam, and who weren't from amongst those people who rebelled against accepting the text of Qur'an and Sunnah and using their own mind and giving preference to their mind over the, the revelation, if they were not from those people, but merely was an ignorant person, jahlan basitan, yani, the scholars said that there are two types of jahl, ignorance. Jahl basit and jahl murakkab. Jahl basit, it is a person who has simple ignorance, and he doesn't know. But he knows he doesn't know. So that is simple ignorance. But the murakkab is the person who is ignorant. He doesn't know, and he doesn't know that he doesn't know. He doesn't know, and he doesn't realize he doesn't know. Many of the people don't know much about Islam from amongst the Muslims. But they will admit, I don't know. But there are some people who don't know, and they don't realize they don't know. They claim that they know. So he said, if it is of this type of ignorance, jahl basit, the person who doesn't know, and he realizes that he doesn't know, so he is willing to listen. Then proofs should be given to him. Clarification and proofs, strong evidence, should be given to that person to show them that what they are saying is wrong. They should be clarified. So if they repent from that which they have said, and they believe that the Qur'an is the speech of Allah and that it is not created, then this is fine, and this is what we hope for. But otherwise, he said, وَإِلَّا فَهُوَ شَرٌ مِنَ الْجَهْمِيَةِ Then in that case, if he doesn't accept it after the proofs and evidences has been given to him, he is from amongst those people who doesn't know, he is, he is ignorant, and he knows he is ignorant, and he acknowledged that he is ignorant, and then proofs are given to him, and clarification is made for him, and he continues to say, say that which is wrong, then the shaykh said, then he is more evil than the Jahmiyyah. Because the Jahmiyyah, they don't know, but they think they know. So when you give them proofs, they don't listen, because they think they are the ones who know. But here is a person who says, I don't know. So you tell me. And then when you give him the proofs, he still doesn't accept it. So that is even worse. Because here's a person who's ignorant, who knows he's ignorant, and then when the knowledge is given and the clarification is made, he still remains on his ignorance. Wallahu alam. So the waqifa, they are the people who don't take a stand. They don't say that the Qur'an is the speech of Allah, which we are required to say it is the speech of Allah, and they don't say that it is created, which we are forbidden from saying. They don't say either one. They don't take a stand on either side. They will, as they say, 
uh, sit on the fence. I was going to say walk on the fence, but that may be difficult. Sitting is easier. That is what they are doing. Uh, so after this, the Shaykh says, what is the ruling concerning the one who says, love thee, Bil-Qur'an makhluk, that my expression or my recitation of the Qur'an is created. This is what the, we have hinted at in the beginning, in the introduction before we entered the questions for tonight from the statement of Shaykh Muhammad Musallahu Thaymeen, Rahimahullah. Here, Shaykh Al-Hakami, Rahimahullah says, what is the ruling concerning the one who says, Love thee bil Qur'an makhluk. My expression of the Qur'an is created. He said that this expression, this ibarah, it is not permissible to make such a statement mutlaqan, yani without clarification. Making a general statement like this. This is unacceptable to negate it or to affirm it. It is unacceptable to affirm this statement and it is also unacceptable to negate it without explanation should be explained because the word a love expression its meaning it has a meaning that is shared between two things at the yani the action of the human being of, of expressing himself or in this case recitation of the Quran the human beings action of recitation of the Quran between this meaning at the the action of the human being and al-madhfuz bihi yani and that which is recited that meaning the Qur'an. A love, it has both meanings. When you say a love, love the Qur'an, you may mean my action of reciting the Qur'an, or you may mean that which I am reciting, meaning the Qur'an itself. So it has two possible meanings for this reason. The Shaykh says it's not permissible to make this statement without clarification. He says, if a person makes such a general statement without clarification, uh, saying that his expression of the Qur'an created, then this includes the second meaning. And it doesn't only include the meaning that my recitation, my action of recitation is created. It is indeed created. But it also includes the other meaning, which it shares, which this expression shares. And that is that which you are reciting, meaning the Qur'an, it means that it also shares this meaning that the person is saying that my action of recitation is a created action, and that which I am reciting, meaning the Qur'an, is also created. And for this reason, he said, that person has gone back to the opinion or the position of the Jahmiyyah. When they say such a thing, it means they are from the Aqidah of the Jahmiyyah, those who say the Qur'an is created. If the person says, my expression by the Qur'an is not created, then also, love, it has both meanings. So if they say it like that without explanation, then this also includes the first meaning. Meaning, his action of recitation, he's saying, that is not created. And indeed, his action, the action of the human being, is created. Therefore, he said, this is from the innovation of the ittihadiyah. Al-ittihadiyah. And the ittihadiyah, as Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen says in Khalqis Al-Hamawiyah, the book that we have quoted from earlier, he said that these are people who say, Al-Qailina bi wujud the ihtihadiyah are the people who say that everything in existence is one. Yani meaning Allah is everything. He said these are the people who say this. And here in reference to this topic it means that they are saying that every speech in existence is the speech of Allah. The speech of the humans, the animals, everything. It is all the speech of Allah because everything is one. So every speech is one. 
perhaps some of us have never heard such ideas before, but in any case, as long as the Shaykh has mentioned it here, just for clarification, this is also a deviant innovation. Those who say that their speech or their action of speaking, that it is not created. Because this is the, this is the result of the aqidah of those who claim that everything is one, meaning everything is Allah, including the speech of the human being. Therefore, he says, my speech is not created. Because not my speech, it's Allah's speech. Every speech is the speech of Allah. So this is also a deviation. For this reason, the Shaykh says, the Salaf al-Sali, the righteous predecessors, rahimahumullah ta'ala, they used to say, love the men qala, whoever says, love the bil-Qur'an makhluq, fahuwa jahmi. That whoever says, my expression of the Qur'an, or expressing the Qur'an, is created, then he is a jahmi. And as Shaykh al-Usaymin said, when what we quoted from earlier, Yani what is really meant here is that whoever says my expression of the Qur'an is created, he is a jahmi if he means by that, that which is recited, the Qur'an. If he means by that the Qur'an is created. However, if he means that uh, his action of recitation is created, then that is true. But what here, what the shaykh is quoting from the scholars who said that my expression of the Qur'an, whoever says my expression of the Qur'an is created, then he is a jahmi, it means, as Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen quoted from Imam Ahmed, whoever says that intending by it, he means that the Qur'an is created. Yani, al-malfood bihi, that which is being recited, the Qur'an. Of course, if he means that his own action is created, then that is true. Then the Shaykh says, whoever says, غير مخلوق فهو مبتدعون. Yani, whoever says that my expression of the Qur'an is created, then he is a jahmi, because he is saying the Qur'an is created. And whoever says, my expression of the Qur'an is not created, then he is also an innovator. Because here the meaning comes into play, and in my expression of the Qur'an, meaning his uh, speech itself, his action of speaking, if he says that this is not created, then this is also a deviation, and it is an innovation, as he mentioned earlier, the deviation of the ihtihadiyah, those who claim that all of speech is the speech of Allah. So those who claim that the action of speaking, it is not created, then this is also a rejected vision of Allah. Okay, this is the end of what the Shaykh mentions concerning uh, the revelations and specifically the Quran, the deviation of the people of the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم, where they have deviated concerning the correct aqidah of the Quran, uh, especially in reference to this issue of the uh, belief of the Quran being created. And by the way, uh, it should be noted that although we might not find many people today espousing this idea. However, this idea was so widespread in the time of Imam Ahmed rahimahullah that most of the Muslim Ummah willingly or by compulsion was forced to espouse this idea. Most of the Muslim Ummah, many of the people didn't know and some knew but by compulsion they were forced to say it except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed in the heart of that great Imam the resistance to this idea and the courage to stand up and to speak against it even at the cost of being punished and imprisoned and for this reason some of the other scholars, the good scholars of the people of Sunnah when they had a leader, an Imam to lead them, they followed his position and they took a stand and the people followed the good Imams and this is how the correct Aqidah concerning this matter was preserved so that today Perhaps we don't find many people saying it, but at that time, it was the widespread belief, willingly 
or unwillingly of most of the people in the Muslim Ummah. Okay, the next question uh, deals with the topic of the messengers, the belief in the messengers. As we said, we are dealing with the arcan of Iman. So here the Shaykh moves to the next pillar of Iman. What is the evidence or the proof for the obligation of believing in the messengers? And this is the last topic that we will deal with uh, before taking a break and reviewing what we have taken up until here. This is the last topic, but this topic it may take more than one lecture. It is the belief in the messengers. And here the Shaykh expounded on this particular pillar of Iman and he has asked a number of questions related to it in general and specific questions related to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi uh, as opposed to the general belief in the messengers overall. He has asked approximately 15 questions. The first of them, uh, as has been his pattern, is that he asks for the proof. What is the proof for the obligation, the proof that we are required to have iman or faith in the messengers? Uh, he mentions, he says that the proofs of this are many from the book and the sunnah and from amongst them is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 150 through 152 and verily those who disbelieve in Allah, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَكْفُرُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَرُسُلِهِ Those who disbelieve in Allah and His Messenger, or His Messengers, Rusul. And they want to make a distinction between Allah and His Messengers. And claiming that they believe in Allah, but not believing in the Messengers. Or more specifically, as he says in this ayat, يَقُولُونَ They say, we believe in some, and we disbelieve in some. And in meaning they believe in some of the messengers and disbelieve in some of them. They claim to believe in Allah, but actually they are disbelievers. Because they want to make a distinction between believing in Allah and believing in the messengers. It's obligatory to believe in Allah, but the messengers we might believe in some and disbelieve in others. And this, the clearest of the people who have fallen into this are the Christians and Jews. The Jews believed in the prophets who came to them up until Isa salam, and they rejected him. And the Christians believed in the prophets who came before up until Isa السلام, and then after Isa they rejected the Prophet Muhammad So they are equal in this. They believe in them and they disbelieve in others. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that these are the disbelievers in Allah and His Messengers. They are disbelievers in Allah and His Messengers. Because disbelieving in one means disbelieving in all. They want to take a position in between. But there is no in-between position. They are either believers or disbelievers. The believers are those who believe in Allah and all of His Messengers. And the disbelievers are those who reject Allah and His messengers or any one of them. So there is no in-between position. If there is an in-between position, it is those who say we believe in some and disbelieve in others. But Allah has clearly stated that they are of the kuffar. They are the disbelievers. Verily those who disbelieve in Allah and His messengers and they want to make a distinction between Allah and His messengers. And they say we believe in some of them and disbelieve in some of them. And they want to take a position in-between. Allah says these are the disbelievers in truth. Definitely, certainly, yaqeenan, they are definitely disbelievers, have no doubt about it. So that nobody will imagine that there is some in-between position, in-between the believers and the disbelievers. 
He said, أُولَاكَهُمُ الْكَافِرُونَ حَقًّا وَأَعْتَدْنَا لِلْكَافِرِينَ عَذَابًا مُهِينًا And we have prepared for the disbelievers. It has already been prepared for the disbelievers. A terrible, humiliating punishment. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرُسُلِهِ وَلَمْ يُفَرِّكُوا بَيْنَ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ أُولَاكَ سَوْفَ يُعْتِيهِمْ أُجُورَهُمْ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمًا the other group are the believers, those who believe in Allah and His messengers, all of them. And they make no distinction between any one of them. Then these, they will soon be given their reward. And indeed Allah is forgiving, merciful. Then he mentioned the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, which also confirms the obligation of believing in the messengers. He said, Amantu Billahi wa Rusuli, that I believe in Allah and His messengers. And previously he has mentioned the hadith of Jibreel which also shows the requirement of believing in the messengers. After he mentioned the question, what is the meaning of al-iman bil-rusul? What is the meaning of having iman or faith in the messengers? What is the meaning of it? Okay, this is the evidence for it. It is from amongst the evidences which are many. And what does it mean? He said it means to have a firm, resolute confirmation or conviction or acknowledgement of the truthfulness of this fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has missioned or sent to every nation a messenger from amongst them, from amongst themselves. Allah has sent a messenger to every nation. Believing in the messengers requires that first and foremost we have to believe that Allah has sent a messenger to every nation, someone from amongst them, who called them to the worship of Allah alone and to disbelieve in whatever is worshipped besides him. And this is the main message of every messenger, to call to Tawheed and to call the people to reject the worship of anything other than Allah. And also to believe that all of them are sadiqun, truthful, barun, righteous or pious, rashidun, rightly guided. That every one of the messengers, that they are truthful and they are righteous and they are rightly guided and they are noble and honorable. That they are pious, that they are God-fearing, that they are trustworthy, that they are guides who guide others and that they are rightly guided themselves, that Allah has guided them. Allah has guided them and that Allah has aided them. Mu'ayyidun. They are aided by al-Baraheen al-Zahira, clear proofs, and al-Ayat al-Zahira, yani brilliant or dazzling yani ayat, signs or ayat from their Lord. That they are aided, the prophets are aided by clear proofs and uh, yani brilliant Ayat, al-Zahira, and those ayat which are, uh, are brilliant, are, are outstanding, it is not, there is no doubt, there is no possibility of doubt about these signs. Also to believe that they have delivered all of what uh, Allah has sent them with, that they have delivered the whole of the message that Allah has sent them with. This is also part of the belief in the man in the messengers, and that they didn't hide any of it nor did they change any of it, nor did they increase anything. They didn't add anything to it from, amongst, from themselves, not even one letter, nor did they uh, take anything from it at all. But they have delivered the message as Allah has given it to them. And this is what the Shaykh uh, mentioned in the, uh, the proof for this from the saying of Allah from Surah Al-Nahl, chapter 16, verse 35. فَهَلْ عَلَى الرُّسُلِ إِلَّا الْبَلَاغُ الْمُبِينَ And is there any obligation or responsibility upon the messengers except al-balag al-mubin, except the clear deliverance or conveying of the message, any complete clear delivering of the messengers. 
And also it is required to believe that all of them were on the clear truth, that what they came with it is the clear truth. And also, yani in reference to particular messengers, he says that it is also required, in reference to Iman bin Rusul, it is also required to believe that Allah has taken Ibrahim السلام, as his Khalil. He has taken Ibrahim as his close uh, friend. That he is, and he has selected him from amongst the prophets as his Khalil, and also that he has taken the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, as a Khalil, as it has been mentioned in authentic hadith where the Prophet وسلم, said that if I were to take anyone as a Khalil, I would have taken Abu Bakr Siddiq, anhu. but it is Allah who has taken him as a Khalil, yani taking the Prophet Muhammad. Also, to believe that Allah has spoken to Musa السلام, with real speech as is mentioned in the Quran in Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 164, and that he has raised up Idris, alayhi salam, makanan aliyan, and into a lofty station, or a high status, or a high position, as some of the scholars said, Al-Hafid ibn Kathir said, that the meaning of this is that he has been raised to a high place, or status, it means, as-sama'a al-rabi'a, as the Adith has been reported in the hadith of uh, the ascension of the Prophet that when he threw the heavens and he met the various prophets that he met Idris السلام, in the fourth heaven and some of the scholars said as Ibn Kathir also mentioned that a high place it means Al-Jannah and some of the scholars said that the mention of him was يعني, that he was mentioned with praise and that his status amongst the prophets and messengers يعني, is a high status then he said, also it is required to believe that Isa, alayhi salam, that he is the slave, and, the slave of Allah and his messenger, uh, and he is the word of Allah. Kalimatuhu alqaha ila Maryam, waruhun minhu, that he is the word of Allah which Allah has bestowed upon Maryam, and yani the word that he was created by, the word kun, be, and he came into existence, not through the normal way of the human being coming into existence, and that he is the spirit from Allah, meaning that he is one of the spirits that Allah has created, because the spirits, they are created by Allah, and that Isa alayhi salam, he is also, he is from that which Allah has created, he is one of the spirits, and a human being, that Allah has created. And also, finally he mentions that it is required also to believe, that Allah has preferred some of the prophets over others, and that he has raised up some of them, darajat, degrees, higher than others, and uh, this point is mentioned also in the Quran and the saying of Allah in Surah Al-Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 253, that Allah has preferred some over others and He has raised some of them degrees. And likewise, uh, yani the raising of Idris to a high place, السلام, it is mentioned in Surah Al-Maryam, chapter 19, verse 56 and 57. And the... Uh, reference to Isa alayhi salam in Surah Al-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 171. Okay, the last, uh, perhaps we will stop here. Uh, we'll stop here, or maybe the next question is brief. Yeah, we'll take the next question. It is a short question. Uh, the next question that, that we will take, it is question number 89. Uh, have, did the da'wah of all of the messengers, did the da'wah of the messengers agree? Were they in agreement or in conformity in what they have ordered and what they have prohibited. Was the da'wah, the call of all of the messengers in agreement or in conformity in terms of what they have commanded 
and what they have prohibited. The Shaykh, he says two things. Number one, that the da'wah of all the messengers from the first of them to the last of them is in agreement. Ala asli al-ibadah wa asafiha. Ala asli al-ibadah. The asl of ibadah, he said they are in agreement on this. The foundation of ibadah, all of the messengers from the first of them to the last of them are in agreement on this. And he said that this asl, it is the asl of all usul. It is a tawheed. He said all of the prophets and messengers are in agreement upon this foundation of ibadah which is tawheed and that is to single out Allah the Most High for all types of worship. Yani in terms of what we believe, اعتقادًا, and what we say, قولًا, and what we do, عملًا, our actions, to single out Allah for every type of ibadah and to reject and disbelieve in everything that is worshipped instead of Allah, everything that is less than Allah, everything other than Allah. Uh, then he said, Okay, on this point they are in agreement. As for وَأَمَّا الْفُرُودِ المتعبد بها As for the furud المتعبد بها He said that these obligatory things that we worship Allah through them as far, in the, as far as these matters the asl of tawheed it is agreed upon but as for the obligatory things that we worship Allah through them he said that it is it happened that some of these things or فَقَدْ يُفْرِدُوا عَلَىٰ هَؤُلَاءِ مِنَ السَّرَادُ وَالسِّيَامُ That um, it is possible that it might be made obligatory on some of the people, some aspects or parts of the salat and the siyam and that which is similar to it, that is not made obligatory on others. There are some things that are made obligatory on some that are not on others. Even if fasting was made obligatory on the earlier nations as is mentioned in the Qur'an, but the manner of fasting may be different from one nation to another. And likewise, the salat may be different from one nation to another. He said it is possible that some things were made obligatory from these uh, obligatory duties that we worship Allah through them, and it was not made obligatory on others, and it may be that some of the people were prohibited something while it was made lawful for others. Imtihanan min Allah. And this is as a test or a trial from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here he mentioned the saying of Allah, لِيَبَلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ وَعَمَلًا And this is to test you. Yani to test you by Allah's commands and prohibitions. Commanding some people with one thing and not commanding others with it. And prohibiting some people from something and not prohibiting it from others. He said this would be as a test to see which of you are best in actions. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions... Uh, and this is mentioned in the Quran in Surah Hud, chapter 11, verse 7, and also in Surah Al-Mulk, chapter 67, verse 2. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentions in Surah Al-Ra'ad, chapter 13, verse 41, Wallahu yahkum, Wallahu yahkumu, la muaqqiba li hukmihi, wa huwa sarir hisab. And Allah is the one who yahkum, who rules, who makes the legal rulings in the sharia, and he is the one who makes the judgments, yani in the divine decrees of what will happen in this world. لا مؤقب لحكمه and there is no one who can come behind him no one who can challenge or to reject what Allah has legislated in terms of the prohibitions and the commands nor what Allah has decreed in the divine decrees yani concerning the matters of the people in this world there is no one who can come behind Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and challenge what he has ruled therefore Allah makes lawful whatever he wills and unlawful for whomever he wills and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes obligatory on whomever he wills and he may leave it from whoever he wills according to his wisdom.
this is the end of what we wanted to mention here. Uh, we'll stop here if there are any questions or any comments or any corrections. We'll take a few moments. Um, when we discuss Tawhid or Aqidah, there are issues which sometimes we understand that you believe in what we believe in something, but sometimes we don't understand it. Obviously, you still have to believe in it, but sometimes understanding why you believe in it makes it easier to understand why it is important. Regarding the creation of the Quran, is it apparent what is the, <coughs> the result of believing that it is realistic? No. Uh, brother is asking, is this from our masjid? No. Okay, open the window just so we can hear it when we call it. The brother is asking the question, he said that, uh, he prefaced it by saying there are some things in reference to Aqeed and Tawheed, uh, which obviously we can understand the reason for it, and there are other things that we cannot. However, whether we understand the reasoning behind it, or the wisdom, or the benefit of it, whether we understand it or not, uh, it is, we must believe in it, and we must accept it, and we must adhere to it and comply with it. So he said, what is, is it clear, what is the, um, the result or the harm or whatever from the idea of believing that the Qur'an is created? Naam. Tayyip. This is that they are calling the Adhan. The brother asked the question before the Adhan, uh, the meaning of it is, and the essence of it is, even though we have to believe whatever has been revealed to us in the Qur'an and in the authentic sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ in terms of aqidah and otherwise, even though we have to believe in it, whether we understand it or not, uh, but he said it helps if we can understand what is the wisdom behind it, helps us to believe in it makes it easier to believe in. And that is for sure. There is no doubt about it. So 
he said, what is the, um, what, um, what is the result? Or what would be the harm? Or something like this from yani, this particular issue of the creation of the Qur'an. It is created or not created. Actually, I myself have also uh, thought about this very question. And I questioned myself. What is, um, you know, actually in our time when many people, most people are not having this belief and they are not having this idea. So what really is the essential or the benefit of any discussing this issue, um, especially in any detail? Um, so what benefit do we get from it? Well, I didn't find anything myself in what the scholars have said about it. And we have read much of this issue in many books of many scholars. And I didn't find any until now anyone touching on this point. However, in my own reflection, Wallahu alam, perhaps, perhaps it might be any, something that might be obvious, and maybe that's why it has not been mentioned, is that whoever believes that the Qur'an is created, then the necessary consequence of this is that it opens the door to believe that the Qur'an is not perfect. And if the Qur'an is not perfect, then it can be challenged, and it can be rejected. And this is what has happened with some of the people. Even if they didn't say the Qur'an is created, they have challenged it, and they have rejected some, as they said, that is not rational, our minds cannot accept it, doesn't make sense, or it's not in line with modern times. So they have rejected it and abandoned it. And whoever abandons the Qur'an, they are headed for destruction. So, I mean, what I can see is that if we believe that the Qur'an is the speech of Allah, and it is not created, then we know it is perfect. Therefore, we are required to submit to it totally, with total submission, and never to have a doubt about what is in the Qur'an, in terms of what we are told to believe, our aqidah, and what has happened in the past, and what will happen in the future, and what Allah has legislated in terms of the laws for this world, and how we should live by them, if we believe that it is really the speech of Allah, the Lord of the world, and it is not created, then we know it is perfect. And this is similar to the saying of Allah that we mentioned earlier, وَتَمَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ صِدْقًا وَعَدْلًا يعني That Allah's, the speech of your Lord, it has been perfected. As some of the scholars said, تَمَّتْ means كَمَّتْ It has been perfected, completed. In terms of truthfulness, everything in it is true. And in terms of justice, everything in it is just. Therefore we have no right to doubt or to reject anything that is in it. Wallahu alam, that is the only thing that I have seen and Allah knows best. Uh, yeah. The brother also said that one of the points that one of the results of such belief if they deny that uh, if, they, if they claim that the Quran is created then they are denying that it is the speech of Allah meaning that um, they, yeah, they are denying that Allah actually speaks. Uh, denying that Allah speaks. And this is the, yani the opinion of some of the groups who have deviated concerning this matter. Uh, those who denied that Allah speaks. And they said that Allah has created this speech. Allah has created the Qur'an in something else, outside of himself. There's something created. So this is, yani, this is one of the deviations and it is the opinion of some of those people have deviated concerning this particular matter. Now, so it is a denial of Allah's speech, which is attributing to Allah imperfection if Allah doesn't speak. 
Brother is saying also that he has experienced some uh, intellectual people also and he's reaching this conclusion that the problem, the backwardness or the problems of the Muslims is because we need to reinterpret, we need to take another look at the Qur'an and reinterpret it according to their mind, according to rationale and this is and he, the result of the idea of people thinking that the Qur'an is not already perfect. So it needs some new interpretation of Allah. Okay, we'll stop here, inshallah. Uh, and I'm just reminding you that probably in the next two lectures, we'll try to finish the remaining questions on this uh, aspect. And then we'll take a break and review. We'll have a, an examination. And then we'll finish. The, we'll go on with the rest of the book. Examination. We always have examinations. Of course, it is not uh, obligatory, but for those who want to take the examination, to help you to study and encourage you to review and to try to catch that which you have missed. Ma'am, salaam. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, they are saying, um, uh, sisters are reminding us that don't be afraid of the exam. The sisters over there are ready. They said just like true and false questions, matching, no problem, don't worry. Can one take work by Quran? <laughs> <laughs> you see? Why we need these systems, brother? To encourage us, to push us out onto the field, you know? Otherwise, we'll back up, man. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay. How you said it, you said, oh, we'll do revision. No problem. What? Huh? What? What? Oh? Uh,